0: So Daniel chapter 1 is where we're going to be, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll begin reading in verse 8, so go ahead and stand when you find it, and we'll get down, we'll take this down to the end of the chapter, and we'll have probably a couple of more messages out of this chapter. There's just a lot here, and this message really is kind of a, a part two of our last message uh, in Daniel, and the last message, we'll review some of that as we go Um, basically just the way that Daniel purposed in his heart and how purposing starts small. And if you want the payoff, you have to purpose now in the small ways to get the big payoffs. And uh, so Daniel chapter one, verse eight, it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar and the king communed with them and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king and in all matters of wisdom, all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of king cyrus i love the story it's one of my favorite stories there's so much here and uh, just try to maybe get what we can out of it tonight and then come back to it uh, maybe next time as well but tonight i'm just talking about really finishing up the thought from last time on purposing and tonight specifically w- the discernment of purpose meaning that sometimes uh, we we, t- we tend to purpose about certain things um, in one way or one area but they're not really the important areas. So, so we have purposing in this area over here, but it's not really an area that God wants us to be purposing in. Uh, or, or we have purposing in this area over here, and it's not that important, yet an area that would be very important to God we're not that deliberate about. And so I just wanna talk tonight about the discernment of, dis- of, of purpose, and we'll ask the Lord to bless us as we get into this. Lord, I need you and pray that you'd help me tonight. Just uh, submit myself to you. And ask that you'd fill me with your spirit in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Last time we were in uh, this passage, we saw how Daniel understood the importance of the small decisions. Uh, He was under a lot of pressure. If you remember, uh, we talked about how he had watched a whole generation before him that had given into the pressure of the culture. he He was raised in a culture and, and I believe Daniel had good parents, parents that loved him and loved the Lord. But I also believe that Daniel knew that all around him in the nation of Judah, there were those that had given into the pressure of the culture. Uh, I mean, God judged them for it. And so he had, he had observed the previous generation and, and saw how easily they submitted. And if you think about it, if, if one generation sees the generation before them giving in to certain things, it makes it much easier for the generation watching to say, oh, my parents did that, so I can do that. Sure. It, it impacts the next generation. So he was under pressure because he had watched the previous generation uh, get into uh, idolatry and those things. Not only the pressure of the previous generation, he was under pressure of the current generation. Uh, if you read uh, this this chapter, it becomes clear that the other young men that, that had been brought from Judah to, to Uh, to Babylon they were giving in to the pressure they were eating the meat they were drinking the wine and Daniel and his friends were saying this isn't right this goes against God's law of consumption and this is meat offered to idols these are uh, potentially drinks offered as sacrifices we shouldn't be eating and drinking these things Um, but the rest around him were so there's pressure there not only that, there's also pressure in that the king was actively trying to brainwash them to believe in the Babylonian ways. Uh, he was trying to get them to, uh, he was educating them and, and he was trying to teach them the ways of Babylon and trying to get them from Judah, get the Judah out of them and replace it with Babylon in, at that time. So there's all kinds of pressure and really you think that's not really fair. I can't believe Daniel was facing that kind of pressure but the pressure was not going to get better it was not going to get lighter and by the way i think we all agree there is pressure from a previous generation that, is, that, that gave into culture. Some of us were raised maybe even in homes or observed people before us um, that didn't stand strong through their whole lives and maybe that's in our minds or, or we have people around us that are trying to get us to give into the, the pressure of the culture um, or we're subjecting ourselves to the culture or not even recognizing that it's brainwashing us or trying to teach us to believe something different. Uh, you know, we, we have pressure too and don't think that the pressure is going to get better. Because here's Daniel. And right now for Daniel, his pressure is this. Am I going to eat vegetables and drink water? Or am I going to eat meat and drink wine? And you say, well, that's, that's a lot of pressure. It is pressure. But that's nothing compared to the pressure of a lion's den. So Daniel was facing pressure right here right now but it was pressure in a smaller way because the real pressure was coming and I would submit to you that Daniel and his friends would not have been able to stand in the face of a fiery furnace or pray through a lion's den if they hadn't at the very beginning said no we're going to eat vegetables and drink water. God, they were being prepared for the greater pressure. They were being prepared for the bigger moment. And I do believe that's how God works. That, that he doesn't just throw us in um, to, to, the, to the big things. Uh, There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So we know that he doesn't just put us in situations where we are destined to fail, no, he puts us in situations that give us, that, that, that we have the resources to stand against. And he did that for Daniel and he does that for us because sometimes we think, oh, listen, I, I could never do, I could never stand like Daniel stood in the end. Well, you don't have to stand like Daniel did in the end. You simply start by standing when it's dinner time. You start in the small ways. You're not thrust into the lion's den at the very beginning. You start with the dinner table. And don't get discouraged. Recognize what's literally happening. Daniel literally is it says he purposed in his heart. That he it said that means he placed something on his heart, meaning this was an inner conviction. This was not an outside force telling him what to do. No, he believed something strong enough that he, that he was going to be resolved to keep it. The heart is the center of reason. The heart is the center of our decision making. It's where our mind, will, and emotions are. It is the, it is the uh, you might call it the air traffic control center of your life. What's on your heart will come out in your actions. It will come out in your words. Listen, our strongest convictions... ...aren't things that we inherit from our parents. Our strongest convictions are the things... ...that we have decided on an inner level, inward level. That We make a decision inwardly. Someone once said, a belief is something you hold... ...a conviction is something that holds you. Meaning that you are so bought in... ...with that conviction that no matter if you wanted to escape it you couldn't because you have decided that strongly somebody else said inner conviction can overcome any outer pressure to compromise you want to know how how conviction how strong your conviction is well how do you stand in the face of temptation because you can say all day that i have a conviction against this certain action but when the temptation comes if you give in to that action then it's not a conviction And it's time to take that belief that you have, maybe it's just an intellectual belief, and place it somewhere deeper, somewhere on your heart. That's how resolved we have to be about doing right. And I know it sounds so hard, but it was literally this. Daniel and his friends were going to have to sit down at the table, and they were going to have to look at a piece of steak and look at wine, and they were instead having to push it away and eat vegetables and water. That's literally what they would be having. So, before we think this is too hard to do, well, I think probably any of us, what well, you say? You don't know my love for Texas Roadhouse. I get it. Mouth starts to water. They bring those rolls out. I've almost eaten more rolls than I knew what to do with, and then they bring this steak, and I'm like, I'm not sure I can even fit a bite of steak after all those rolls. But, through God's grace and help. I'm not sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say gluttony is on God. So, uh, no, I mean, I know meat, good drink, they look around, everybody's doing it. But on the other hand, is it possible for that one meal for them to choose right? Well, yeah. Now, do they have to, in 50 years, be left standing and that's what they're making a choice to do? No. They're simply saying, no, can I choose this right now? Can I make this choice today? No, it's not about victory over the next 50 years. No, it's can I do this right now? Can I say no today to that temptation? Can I say no this time to that temptation? Can I say no to the dessert this time? Can I close my computer? Can I turn off the app right now? Can I close my mouth Instead of keeping it open and saying what I want to say. See, listen, sometimes we think it's so big and it's so long term and it's been 50 years down the road, I've got to remain standing. No, all that God asks you to do to prepare you for those big moments is make the right choice in the small moments. That's purposing in your heart. In order to purpose in our hearts, we're going to have to learn to stop trusting our emotions at times. Because I'm telling you, the emotion, of, of what they were smelling and what they were watching. That would have been hard to give up. But, but you, if you have a conviction, then that vi- conviction overrides your emotions. There will be times you're going to have to accept inconvenience that, that you say, I know it's not going to be easy. I know I have to wake up. And I know I have to turn off my alarm. And I know I have to put on my workout clothes. I know I have to pick up my Bible. I know I've got to do that. Um, understand up front that it's not easy. There will be inconveniences. Recognize it's going to feel lonely. Daniel and his friends, they were the only ones doing this in a room full of people that were having a great old time eating Texas Roadhouse. That's just my, I just can't get away from I must be hungry for steak tonight. <laughs> Practice purposing in, no, in ways no one else can see. This is a big one. Meaning that, that sometimes we purpose in areas that we'll get noticed for. It's easy to do, I, you know, and especially in the culture we live in, I, I'm going I'm, I'm to work out so that I can post a picture that I'm working out. Well, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, but, but in some areas of your life, you need to have discipline or practice purposing in ways that nobody else will ever see so that you know your motive is not to impress somebody or not to get noticed no, but your motive is that God sees it, and He's the only one that really matters anyway. Amen. We got to get to the place where our purposing is not about being noticed; it is about simply doing right, whether or not anybody else notices. Amen. Small choices matter, but but listen, it's not just about discipline; it's also about discernment, and this is kind of the second part then that I want to get to. You've got to know what to purpose. See the first part is about being disciplined, but this thought is really kind of about being discerning about what you're going to be disciplined about. We have to be discerning about what gets this level of purpose in our lives. See, it's true that not everything that we do is worthy of inner conviction. Not everything we do is worthy of this kind of purposing. Um, you know, and I, you know, just throwing out two things. Okay, so uh, I'm going to give you two scenario or two examples and we decide so right so let's say that one of the choices we have is uh reading our bible okay the other choice that we have is playing a video game so now you be careful preacher (laughs) no i mean would we all agree if we're if we're deciding which of these areas in our life deserves purposing we would say would we say the bible or the video game Please say Bible, please say Bible, please say Bible. Or else we're going to have to start at the very beginning, okay? Yeah, thank you. I mean, video games are fun, but video games don't deserve the level of purpose that Bible reading does. You know, and uh, recreation or hobbies, those are fun. But if, if there's a conflict between that and a missions revival service, um, uh, what we do for fun doesn't, doesn't compare to the importance of, ...of gathering together during a missions week... ...with your church family. You know, I mean, eating out is fun. We enjoy that kind of stuff. We enjoy doing those kinds of things. But if it comes down to, okay, this week... ...I I can either eat out with my family... ...or I'm going to give to the missions commitment... ...I just made, there's really no comparison. See, the problem, though, is... ...we are not very discerning about the things... ...we purpose with. In, In that there are plenty of people who are purposing in areas that are far less important than the things that Daniel was purposing in. Daniel took these two things and he decided, what was more important to the Lord? Do I want to look good before the king? Or do I want to please the Lord with my diet? In his mind, that's what he was going for. Now, is it a good thing to present your best self if you're going to stand before somebody like a king? Well, yeah, absolutely. But in Daniel's mind, that's not nearly as important as obeying God. So he had to decide, and he gives us this help in how he decides how to choose what to purpose for. To him, it's a no-brainer, but sometimes we get our priorities mixed up when it comes to purposing. Truth is, we're good at purposing in the areas we want to. How many of you in here are Minnesota Vikings fans? Are you going to admit that this year? Okay. Okay. How many of you are Kansas City Chiefs fans? Okay. All right. All right. And so the most spiritual people, clearly Dallas Cowboys fans. Okay. Right. Yes. That's a, that is a joke, by the way. I do not really believe that. Okay. So. It's the first time you've responded tonight. Good. Thanks, <laughs> Mr. Jeremy. No. So we have, you know, if you're a sports fan, if you're a big fan of your team, isn't it amazing how you will find a way to clear your schedule or do what it takes to watch your team play? Like if you're really committed, and some of you are like, I'm not a sports fan. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Well, we'll get to more applications. Okay. Just wait. All right. So, no, it, it, it is amazing that really what you're passionate about, you find ways to do those things right. yeah, that's true. and so many of us when it comes to sports we've purposed in our hearts i'm going to purpose in my heart that if i can i'm going to watch my team play this game and and we purpose in our heart i'm not saying that it's wrong um, to to enjoy those things but what i'm saying is we know how to purpose When it comes to your career, this one's less trivial. I know when you're driven to succeed, you don't have a problem purposing in your job. Because it's important to you. You want to do well. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm trying to build the case that we know how to purpose. We know how to place something squarely on our heart and follow through. Uh, We've got uh, our high school and junior high kids in here. We've got some that are going to college and you're taking classes. Um, Listen, if school is important to you, if you want that certain GPA or you want that certain scholarship, no one has to tell you to do your homework or study for the test, you have purposed. You're going to do it, it's important to you. Uh, If you're working out because you wanna be fit or you wanna lose weight or you want this or that, no one has to tell you to get up and exercise because you've purposed in your heart to do it. I'm not downing any of these things. I'm not saying they're inappropriate or wrong. I'm simply letting you see that we know How to practice purposing in the areas we're passionate about already. We don't have trouble purposing in some areas of our lives. And you say, well, I don't have anything like that. You have something you're passionate about. Everybody has something they're passionate about. And when it's important to you, you find a way to do it. It's amazing how resolved we are to watch our favorite show no matter what happens in our schedule. Um, But sometimes we have a tough time motivating ourselves to read our Bibles. I'm, we are, we're good at purposing, we just don't always purpose in the right ways. We can be so committed to things like, and I don't, I mean I know that's hunting season coming up hunting's a big deal for some people and, and, I, and I don't begrudge it I, I'm, I'm fine with that um, but we can be so committed to something like hunting, but, but we can't then find a place in our lives to purpose and pray now, so we're good at purposing. Part of the battle in purposing is knowing though what to purpose, how to purpose, or what areas to focus on. Are there areas, I'm just asking tonight, are there areas in your life and that you are purposed in 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 these areas over here, but there are areas in your spiritual life that you have not taken time to purpose in those areas? You're, You're faithful to your job, you're working on your car, you have these hobbits, you're working out, you're doing all these things. You find ways and time to do the things that you love, But there are things in your spiritual life. God has a desire for you to take some areas, steps in these areas too. But you haven't because you're purposing over here, but you're leaving God out of the process. No, what what I'm simply encouraging you to do tonight is that same resolve with which you work out. The same resolve that has kept you on that diet for as long. And that takes resolve, doesn't it? The same resolve that you put into your job. The same resolve that you put into your schoolwork. Now take that resolve and apply it over here in the areas that matter the most to God and see how he blesses it. We say, I'm just not disciplined. No, we are disciplined in the areas that matter to us. Translate the resolve over here to the resolve in your, your commitment to your church family. Your commitment to witnessing and, and sharing the light of the gospel with people you come across. Take the resolve that you have over here in some area and put that, apply that to your walk with God. So we need to know what to purpose. We also then, we need to know how to purpose. You know, it's interesting. Daniel didn't come up to, up to the prince of the eunuchs and, and say, You wicked infidel. You don't know what it's like to serve the one true God. You'll never get me to defile myself with this meat and drink. You know, there was no pride in Daniel. There wasn't this, this spirit that he comes and he says, you don't know what we're talking about. I'm much better than you know. Daniel comes and he's reasoned and he's humble. And he makes a request. Verse 12, it says, prove thy servants, I beseech thee. That's, that's saying, I'm begging of you. I'm making a request of you. 10 days let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink then let our countenances be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat and as thou seest deal with thy servants daniel didn't come along and and pr- uh, proudly say this is what we're doing and you're not going to stop us no he made a request he was humble about it we're going to talk about this more next time but he, he now we know daniel had purpose not to defile himself Okay, that decision had already been made. We know that. But what I appreciate about Daniel is that he does it in a balanced way. You know, don't you love it when somebody, you're around, like they decide to go on this like crazy psycho, it's called the psycho diet. (laughs) It's like, yes, you get a square of cardboard and two shakes of salt a day. I'm, I'm not hungry at all after three days. Like this is, like, you know, have you ever been around somebody and they're so intent on their diet it's like it affects everything in every conversation I mean everything you I mean it's just every yeah well Daniel had already decided that but he didn't come along saying everyone's got to do it my way um, because my way is best no he he was balanced and instead of demanding he requested and he comes along and he's humble about it. And, and he says, that, listen, I, this is an area I'm not going to compromise in. But I want to do this the right way. And, and so if you're being asked... like So for instance, there's always a right way to do right. There's a, there's a way to do right and have the right spirit about it. I mean, I'm just thinking about some of you in your workplace. If you're ever asked in your job to do something that, that you feel is unethical... or goes against your conviction as a Christian... Don't just throw a righteous fit. Go to your authority and talk to them about it. Like there's a right way to do these things. Taking a stand. Did you know taking a stand can be done with humility? You know, sometimes we take these strong stands and and I'm thankful for for people that take stands, but in standing alone, there's a lot of pride. Look at me. I'm standing. No one else has my standards. No one else um, is as disciplined in these areas as I am. No one else is as spiritual as I am. I don't think that's I I think you may have the right standards, but that's not the right spirit. There's a way to be balanced and to do things the right way and, and have still maintain a testimony that points people to Jesus Christ and not your pride. You know, it's usually possible to purpose some things in your heart. And here's Daniel. He's purposed things in his heart, but he finds himself In loving favor with the prince of the eunuchs. There's got to be balance in his life somewhere. I would say if you're going to stand strong for something. If you're going to be resolved about something. Of all the things that you do. The most important thing that you can do. Is have the disposition of Jesus Christ. There will already be things. That you know if you're standing. You're trying to do right. You have certain standards. And you're not going to go down this certain path. That's already going to put you at odds with people. Now add in a proud spirit, and you have no hope of having testimony with them. So standing strong, having standards, and doing right, it is possible to do all of those things and have a spirit of Jesus Christ. And if you will do that, and you'll speak the truth in love, and you'll be humble in your interactions, I'm telling you, it'll go a lot further in helping you to take the stands that you feel like you ought to if you just are remaining humble. I'm thinking about dealing with your neighbors. There are certain things neighbors do sometimes, and this is practical stuff, and, and it drives, drives you a little bit crazy, you know? I mean, it, it's, it's fine, but man, you could get annoyed pretty quickly. Well, you know, it, it's okay to, uh, to do right. It's okay to stand strong. It's okay to have a set of ethics and be convicted and have convictions about things, but you're, you should never interact with your neighbor in a way that makes them think, I thought they said they were Christians. Or at work. I mean, there are co-workers that, I mean, just rub you the wrong way sometimes. And, and they're not doing right and they're, they're not speaking right and they're not saying the right kinds of things. And you could, I mean, the right thing to do would be to take a stand and, and not defile yourself in that, in that area. But you could also, I believe, do it in a way that lets them know that you love them. And with humility, show them the spirit of Jesus Christ. It might be different, but, but, but be sure that you've tried to protect God's name with your spirit. That's how we purpose. Meaning that we don't purpose with pride, we purpose with humility. And that, we are, and that our, our goal, you know, the idea of think, win, win. That our goal is that yes, I can stand strong like I'm supposed to, but I can also win you over by having the spirit of Jesus Christ. Well, that's the perfect balance right there. So know how to purpose, but also then then use use the benefits God gives you for the Lord. say, well, what does this mean? Well, look back up in verse 9. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. You say, okay, what does that have to do with anything? Well, God brings Daniel into favor with the prince here, the prince of the eunuchs. But you know what, Daniel? It's interesting. Daniel doesn't spend time getting extra benefits, He doesn't use his influence to get luxuries that like because he's looking around and he knows he's got favor with the prince of the eunuchs and nobody in a way nobody else does. And so he didn't use that favor to say, hey, hey, can you do this? I need a perk. You know, I really want this bedroom or this room or I'm thinking bunk beds. It's called like college students. That's probably not what they slept on. It's like I want that bed, or I want that room, or I want this perk. Um, can you, you know? I'm in favor with with this. So with this guy, so I'm going to use it for my advantage. You know. Notice that Daniel didn't do that. You know. Here's the thing: we know that God gave him favor with the prince of the eunuchs. So it's interesting that Daniel used the blessing God gave him for something that would glorify God not be a benefit just to himself. And, and here we have another good example. When we're purposing, if we want to put ourselves in a position to succeed, then use the resource God gives us in a way to glorify God. And so here's Daniel, and he could have gotten some perks from this relationship, but instead he's using the relationship to take a stand to do right. And, and when God blesses you, listen, doesn't it make sense that the gift he gives you ought to be used first for his kingdom? I mean, if he's the one that's blessed you, if he's the one that's given you those things, I mean, you know, what, what do you do when you get more money? So sometimes, you know, we say, well, oh, more money, I've got to pay off these bills. Yeah, we all have bills. But, but who would you say, who would you give credit for the money to? Well, if you say, well, God gave me this money, well, then doesn't it make sense then that we would say, how, God, how could I use this in your kingdom first? Now, I'm not, now trust, I'm not asking for, you know, I'm not being one of those preachers that say, if you give us money and, I'll, you know, you'll be a millionaire. No, that's not the way it works. But I do believe if God gives you the blessing, you ought to use it for him first. Amen. If God gives you some more resources, he gives you time. Listen, God has given some of you some real talents in certain areas. Um, Are you using them for the God that gave them to you? So here's Daniel, and he's a teenager. Nobody's even monitoring or overseeing him. Yet he knows that the favor he has with the prince of the eunuchs came from God. And so he says, okay, how can I use the favor I have with the prince of eunuchs for God's glory? And that's a good thing for us to remember. You know, you have education. You have ability in some areas. Is God getting the best of your abilities? Is God getting the first fruits in your life? Thank God and, and, you, and, and be thankful for him, but also then use it for God. Here's a great way to measure your gratitude. How are you spending God's blessings? Because if you truly and you honestly are grateful to God for the things that he's blessed you with, then you will be using them for his glory. You're not going to be using them for everything else and God gets the leftovers. You know, and what we see then, it's amazing what God will do when we purpose right. God brought him into favor with the prince of the eunuchs. And as a result, God gave him knowledge and skill and, and all learning and wisdom. Look what God does because Daniel is purposing the right way. Look at verse 15. And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus, uh, verse 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Verse 19, and the king communed with them and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. You know, here's a, a young man and he's purposing, he, he's purposing the right things. He knows what to purpose. He knows how to purpose and he's using the, the things that God has blessed him with to to increase the kingdom in the name of God. And God blesses him in incredible ways because of it. And I just want to point out to you tonight that if you will take the resolve that you show in areas of your life over here, they're not bad, but if you'll take the, the resolve that you have and the purposing and the discipline you have at your job and, and in, in your workouts and in your hobbies and in the things that you really just love to do. And you'll say, I will be as resolved in areas that matter to God. I'm just telling you, Daniel said, prove us. And tonight I'm telling you, you know, I'm not saying put God to the test, but God is not above us saying God, I want to prove that your word is true. And if I will take the purposing in these areas and apply it in the areas that matter to you, I really believe I'm going to put you to the test tonight, Lord. I'm going to obey your word, and I'm going to do what you tell us to do. And I want to see if it's true. Because I'm telling you, if you will take the resolve that you have over in those areas, and you'll put it to the test in these areas, you will find God blessing you too. And sometimes we think, well, you know, I just don't have what they have. I want you to understand, Daniel and his friends did not get where they were because they were the most talented. The text says Daniel and his friends got where they were because God blessed them with special favor because they purposed. So, my message to you tonight is this you know how to purpose. There are areas in your life you are purposing right now and you're doing well at it. It's time to take that template and put it over your Bible reading now. It's time to take that template and put it over your prayer life. It's time to take that template and put it over your commitment to serving God at Eastside Baptist Church. To apply the things that you're doing over here to this area over here. And then sit back and watch God bless you in ways... You never thought he'd bless you before. It's not about talent. It is about you making a purposed decision resolved in an area that matters the most to the Lord. And just watch what he does. I mean, he gave these young men special favor in ways they probably never thought. Who, do you think when they got kidnapped and taken to Babylon, fast forward a few months, that they would be standing before a king? I don't think so just never lose sight of what God can do with us when we simply do what we can I think about missions missions giving requires purpose and some of you have just maybe even stepped out on faith for the first time this week or you you took a step and you think I'm just not sure how it's going to work you know it really in the grand scheme it's not much in the grand scheme but if we simply do what we can do I think we've seen God take what we give and multiply it and bless because of it. So it's not that you have to take the gospel to Ghana, West Africa. No, you simply do what you can and watch God use James Ruckman to lead those folks to the Lord. He takes the little that we have and he does what only he can do and we get to be a part of it. But all he asks us is to do what we can. We do our part in purposing. It's simple. It's generally simple. While we're doing our simple part, God takes what we're doing and he blesses us with it. He adds blessings. Because we've done what we can do and he does what only he can do. Listen, if you can purpose something small, God can produce something big. If you can purpose something small, God can produce something big. You say, well, it's just a track. It's just... Me handing out an invitation. It's just one person. And it's true. It's just one person. But if you'll do what you can do. God might take that. That seed. And plant it deep within the person's heart. That received it. And who knows what they might turn into. For the Lord. But if we never do the part we're supposed to do. Then why do we expect God. To do the part that he's supposed to do. No it starts with us taking the small steps and say I'm going to purpose in this area of my life I'm going to take some steps and I don't have to get to the very end right now I just have to do something even if it's small I want to do something small maybe it's serving in some small way at church maybe it's teaching or helping in a class or helping in the nursery or or, or scripture printing you know on Tuesday nights you say well it's just one it's just one John and Romans Well, if that John of Romans gets into the right hands, you know, who who knows what God might turn that into? Maybe for you, it's, you don't know what what it is for you, but maybe it's just having the right spirit. Having the right attitude. Being a giver. Being friendly when you don't feel like it. Not answering when you do feel like it. I'm telling you, the small things, if we will simply do the small things, if we can purpose something small, then God can produce something big. It just takes us deciding, I'm going to purpose. I'm going to know what to purpose, and I'm going to know how to purpose. And I will take the resources God gives me, and I'll use them for him first. And then just see what God does in your life. Let's stand. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Are there areas of your life that you need to purpose in that you haven't been? Is there some area in your life that you have been lack, just kind of lacking, and it hasn't been, it hasn't been deliberate, it's not been purposeful, just kind of going through the motions, or maybe is there some area in your life that you are very purposed in, but it's not important to the Lord and you know it? And maybe you need to say, I need to take the same deliberate purpose I have over here and I need to put it into play into play in an area that matters to God. Teenagers, do you have passions in your life? You're very disciplined in these areas because you really like it. But when it comes to the areas that God prefers or God asks of you, boy, you're not really putting in the same kind of effort. Is there something imbalanced? All of us need to approach that tonight. Consider, examine ourselves in our area of purposing in our lives.